Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Sorry, I got lost in that. Wow, I could have sat there and watched it for another 10 hours. <laughs> no, no booing in church. We don't encourage that. Good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name's Matt. Um, thanks. Oh, the boost changed suddenly to whoops. I like that. Um, I am privileged enough to be on staff team here at Ivy Church. Um, and... If you hadn't guessed it, uh, my job is all about sport and physical activity, um, and so I thought I'd get the sports stuff out of the way to start with. Um, every time I stand up to speak, I get some little bit of sport in there. Um, but there is a point to me showing you that clip. Uh, you might be thinking, why on earth have I been made to watch the best football club in the world for the last couple of minutes? But seriously... There, there is a point to it, um, and I'll get onto that in just a little bit later. This morning we are continuing on our series. For those of you that are regular members here at IV, you'll know that we are in a summer series, it's a summer of direction, um, and this morning we're going to be looking at uh, the letter, we're looking at the seven letters, uh, and we're looking at the letter that is written to the church of Sardis. Um, now, the church of Sardis, it had a reputation It had a great reputation, in fact. You know, its reputation was inspiring. It was a reputation of power. It was a reputation of authority and of influence. But that is all it was. It was just a reputation. You might think, well, actually, that's a good thing to have a good reputation. And yeah, we do want to live our lives and... Uh, in ways that we build good reputations because a reputation is what others think about us and we want that to be a positive thing. So yes, reputations are good, but we want to be building a godly reputation, a Christ-like reputation. You see, there was a problem with the church in Sardis. The problem was that their reputation was bigger than their reality. What I mean by that is that what they'd done in the past was great and was excellent, but what they were doing in the present wasn't. See, they had things that were really going well, but in the time that the letter was written, it wasn't going well at all. So now I guess the penny drops as to why I showed you the clip of Liverpool Football Club. Because Liverpool fans, if you know any Liverpool fans, and I talk to myself or about myself here when I say this, but we live in the treasures of the past. We are a football club that is built on previous, well, success that's built from previous managers, previous players, but that reputation has lived on to this very day where every season about this time of year a Liverpool fan will say we can win the league because we can not that I've ever seen it in my lifetime but you see Liverpool were once great we're not so much now we were once the best the team to beat and we're not that now 
We were used to winning trophy after trophy after trophy. And I've got to be honest with you, I've forgotten what it feels like to win a trophy. But you know what? This is the same truth for Sardis. They were once great, but they're not now. You see, a reputation, it speaks of the past. It speaks of the former things. It speaks of what has been. But when you're living in your reputation, you're holding on to what has gone before and you're ignoring what is right in front of you in the present day. If you want to open up your Bibles, if you're old school or turn them on, if you're modern, um, we're looking at Revelation 3 and we're going to start at verse 1. It should hopefully come up on the screen. There's a lot of text there, um, but I know people like to read it in front of them. It says this, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church inside us who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Isn't it interesting that each of the letters actually say, write this to the angel of the church. Now, we as Ivy Church, we have an angel. That's awesome. More churches, more angels. Come on. So Church of Sardis... I keep on saying, they had a reputation of being alive. They were thriving. They had a heartbeat. Yet what does Jesus declare? He says, you have a great reputation of being alive, but really you're dead. Wow. That's got to hurt. Imagine that. That's not what you want to hear being part of a church, is it? You were once great, but now you're dead. The letter of the church to Silas is actually the fifth uh, of the seven letters that we're looking at. Um, each is a message um, from Jesus to the church. Um, and what really strikes me about this letter uh, to the church in Silas is that it's from the ones that we've looked at already, it holds a completely different tone. If you look at Ephesus from the first week, it's, you've persevered, you've endured your hardships, keep going. Smyrna was, you are rich, that's great. Pergamum was, you remain true to my name, that's fantastic. Thyatira, you have love, faith, service and perseverance. Sardis, you're dead. I mean, come on, is there not a difference to that? I would rather be in one of the other churches that's getting some of that positivity thrown at them rather than being called dead. They definitely pulled the short straw, I think. And actually, as I was preparing this and I was thinking about that, I was like, 
wow, when John was writing these letters, you know, hearing from God, hearing the words of Jesus, like what must he have thought when he was putting, maybe not pen to paper, but when he was putting the words down, what must he have thought? I think he would have thought like, Ephesus, great, keep going. You're doing awesome. Smyrna, great job. Like, I'm loving writing this stuff. Pergamon, way to stand strong in the Lord. You know, you're doing great things. Thyatira, I love your faithfulness. And then he gets to Sardis. He's like, really? Do you really want me to write that? I don't think I can write that. But he writes it and he writes, I know all the things you do, that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. And do you know what? It's from that place that Jesus says, we can see, if you read it, you can see what he says. He says, wake up. It's not on the screen. I know that. It's in your Bibles. Wake up. Come on, wake up. You're dead. Wake up. Wake up and smell the coffee. I'm sure they all were coffee drinkers back then. Come on, wake up. Do you not realise that you're living in your reputation and you've you're not doing anything now? Church, I've got a question for you this morning. I've got several questions. Are you awake this morning? I mean, with that worship, hopefully you are awake with all that jumping around. But I don't mean physically awake. Are you spiritually awake this morning? Are you tuned in to what the Spirit is actually saying? Are you engaging with him on his mission? We need to wake up. This morning, I feel, feel that's a real message that we need to hear and we need to take away with us. You know, are you living off your past encounters with God, thinking, actually, you know what, that was great and I'm still buzzing off of that? Are you living off past revivals that you've either been a part of or you've read about or you've seen? Are you living off past salvations because a friend of yours or a family member or yourself got saved? Months, years, whatever ago, are you still living off that? Are you living off a reputation, thinking that that's enough, that the box has been ticked, that you've done your bit and now it's just plain sailing? I guess the question really comes down to, and this is what it came down to, I think, with Sardis, the church of Sardis, was what is winning in your life? Is it your reputation or is it your reality? Because that's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Am I living off what has been in the past? Or am I living off what is in front of me now? Do you know what? It has been a real interesting few weeks and months in the Ivy office. Um, well, for me, it's been an interesting year, I think, coming to work for a church. If any of you ever think about working for a church, come and speak to me first. Uh, I'm not saying I'll put you off, but... I'm saying I'll just let you into a few things. <laughs> you know what? I'm very blessed to be in the position I am, and I need to remind myself that daily. But it has been a, it has it has been an interesting few weeks and months. We're getting serious now. We are getting serious now. Do you know what? And, and that meeting, uh, I, I really encourage you to go to that meeting, um, to put your questions in, to put your queries in, to put your concerns in, to put your excitements in, because we can't do this unless we're open with each other. 
Um, and that's a great opportunity to be open as a church family, because that's what we are here at Ivy. We're a church family. We're not churches. We are one church that we just meet at different sites um, and at different times. You know, there's been a lot of prayer, a lot of seeking, a lot of trying to hear from God. And that can be tough when maybe you're not hearing him or you just don't feel that you're getting the right answers or um, whatever it might be. You know, that's not an instant thing to, to, when you're pursuing what to do next. It's not always an instant thing that you suddenly get this voice that just bellows out from the clouds. But there has been constant themes that people have brought to staff meetings, been brought to prayer meetings. And that theme has been a theme of water, of rivers, of refreshment. And I think that's really true for us as Ivy Church, that that's the season that we're going, we're going into. And I want to tell you this morning, maybe you have been walking a life with Christ for many years. Maybe you haven't made that decision yet. But to give you a little inside, you know, a life with Christ is never-ending, always flowing, ever-fulfilling, always renewing, dynamic life. You know, when you choose to accept Jesus into your heart, into your life, to say, do you know what, I'm going to give my life over to you, you're engaging in what we would call the river of life. You see, rivers don't stand still. Rivers are a constant flowing body of water. They don't settle. They're not stagnant. And that is what the walk with Jesus is like. We're not still. We're not made to be still. We're not made to be stagnant. We're not made to just live off the past. We're made to be moving, to be flowing, to be renewing, to be refreshing. Do you know what? A life in Christ is a life that moves. And if you feel that you're not moving, then we can pray about that this morning. And I'd love for you um, to, to ask for prayer about that. And that's a real personal thing. But I guess as a, as a church family, a church in Christ is a church that moves. You know, and this is the message to Sardis. You're not moving. You just stood still. You're living off what has been and you're not looking forward. You're just always looking back. You know, my prayer for Ivy Church is that we are a church that is moving, that we're pioneering, that we're doing things differently, that we are progressing. We're not a church that's just going to live off past reputation because we've either had great leaders or do you remember that one time when there was a great service and all of that happened, you know, and we're just living off that. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be living off the here and the now and fixing our eyes on him to move forward. Josardis was a wealthy city. I don't know if you know anything about um, Sardis and sort of its location, but loads of people travelled there. Where it was situated was on, on route to other cities, so people would constantly be passing by and they actually found gold at Sardis. There was a gold rush there. And uh, it was a city on a hill, so its positioning meant it was extremely hard to ever be captured, um, to ever be conquered. But it was a great city of stature, of prowess. And it was actually suggested that the first coin was minted in Sardis. You know, this was the place to be. This is where, if you were anybody, you went there. You know, that's where everyone was. Yet yeah, a lot like 
a lot of things that we see today, and I guess this is so true for us in our culture, that someone's success can just like that become the key to their demise. And that was so true of Sardis. They had the wealth, they had the power, and yet they just lived off that, and they forgot God in all of it. You see, it had a great reputation. People wanted its reputation. That's why people went there. They wanted to have the same reputation. Oh, I live in Sardis. Oh, yeah, I trade in Sardis, you know. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be a part of it. There was lots going on. We're not talking about a dead thing that's, you know, there's nothing there. Church was happening. People were doing stuff. It's not like it was a barren land. It was where people wanted to be. But you see, Jesus looks at the heart of it. He looks at what's really going on behind the scenes. And that's what he's calling dead. It looked good, but there was no life. Here's another cheeky little sport thing, you know. In sport, we'd call this, you've got the gear, but you have no idea. You know? You look the part. From the outside, you are the man. When I step onto the first tee, I've got my shoes on, my proper golf shoes on. I've got my nice trousers on. I've got the polo top on. I've got the bag with all the clubs. I've got the glove on, you know. I've got all the gear. Let's just hope no one watched me take a swing. Because <laughs> half the time, I've got no idea. Their reputation was so much greater than their reality, and what a shame. You may disagree with me on this, but... If we look um, at all the churches that we've looked at so far, I reckon Sardis is probably most like that of the UK church. Not in all cases, but in the main, I'd say. You see, the church here in the UK is declining. It's flatlining or it's plateauing. It's not progressing. And you know what is scary about that is that people are okay about that. You know, people are happy just to sit and allow that to happen. We're happy just to open up the doors. We're happy to sing the songs. We're happy to hear the talk. And we're happy to close the doors again. And we're going to expect that those people are going to come back and potentially bring new people. But the reality is that's not always happening in every church. You know, I think Ivy's different to that. Praise the Lord that we get to be in a church that's moving, that's alive. But there's a lot of churches that are dead, that that's what's happening. It was in 2010 that the estimated church membership here in the UK um, was equivalent to about 11% of the population. They say it was probably as high as 33% back in the 1990s. But if we carry on the way we're going... By 2030, I believe, we're going to be down to lower than 4%. We are on this steady decline of people who are regularly engaging in church. And that's not what Jesus has called for. That's not an alive church. That's a dead church. We want to be in a live church where we are seeing those numbers increase, where we are seeing things happen, where we are seeing Jesus move not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others that don't know him yet. That is a church that is alive, that is growing. We need to wake up this morning, church. Who needs waking up this morning? Who wants to be woken up this morning? Who wants to be a part of that? 
Who wants reviving this morning? Who feels that there are areas in their lives that need to have that breath of life breathed on them because they just feel dead, that there's nothing there, that there once was something and you long to have that back, but it's just gone or it's just in the distance? Who needs that this morning? Let's move on. It says, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. And I guess this is the snippet of positivity that they can take from the church. When they're like reading through the first few bits, they're like, okay, yeah, to the church, to the angel, yeah, yeah, here the one, yeah, yeah, you're dead. What? Oh no, strengthen what little remains. Yes, come on, we've got something here. It might only be little, but we've got something. What is it? It's a good question to ask. What is it? But that's the positivity that I would be taking from it. Now, I'll let you into a little bit of a secret. Well, it's not too much of a secret, but I love watching um, The Island. Now, just before, let's clarify this, not Love Island, <laughs> The Island with Bear Grylls. It's a manly show. Women can watch it too. Women are on it. But yes, not Love Island, The Island. Very confusing. But you know what I love about it? I love watching like the, fir- the, the first, well, maybe not the first episode, because the first episode is all the background of everyone who's on the show. I just want to see them when they're in the jungle on the island. Um, but like the first time when they land on that island, and it's like their first sort of 24 hours, um, and they've got to try and battle against nature, and people are just completely out of their comfort zone, and you see who the leaders are and all of that. But what is the thing that they have to try and get or do like at the beginning they're like and they don't always do this which really frustrates me there's like one thing that I think that's your focus once you've got that you're fine like you will be able to survive but if you haven't got that you're not going to survive anybody think they know what that is faith well they do need faith some of them need faith Water, yes. Fire. If they've not got fire, then they're not going to survive on there, you see, because the fire provides the, the ability to purify water. It provides the ability to cook. It provides the ability for warmth. It provides the ability for protection. It provides the ability of light. You know, fire is what I feel, anyway, is the most important thing. And they just forget about it. They're too bothered as to whether they've got a nice spot on the beach to sunbathe as to whether they've actually got a fire to live more than two days. But yeah, it's fire. You know, race against time to make the fire. And you know what? The church in Sardis, their fire had burnt out. That is what we're looking at here. Their fire had burnt out. It was on its last legs. It had no life. However, there were a few embers. Strengthen what little remains. There was something there that Jesus saw in them. Something. It wasn't completely dead. It wasn't game over. There was something that could be done. You see, where there are embers... There is hope in this story. Where there are embers, there is potential. 
Where there are embers, there is opportunity for life. See, I didn't know this when I was doing a bit of research, but apparently embers can hold their heat for about two up to seven days. And that's why there's such a huge uh, potential risk of wildfires starting when people have fires out in the wilderness and then they don't put it out properly because they think it's all out. But just one single ember has the potential to start a mass wildfire. See, when the fire's burnt out and there's only embers left, it needs something to get it going. It needs breath. It needs that oxygen put on it. You know, it needs something. But there's still potential. There's still potential for fierce and raging flames just from one single ember. And I guess the question that I asked before, you know, there's anything in your life this morning that you feel is dead or maybe you feel feels like an ember that just needs that breath of God breathed on it again so it will ignite, so it can be uh, powerful, so it can be influential, so it can do what it was meant to do. No, let's be thinking about those things and respond with them towards the end. I guess the question is, what potential is stored up inside of you? And you might not know the full potential, but I'm sure you know something. You know, because God has placed potential in each and every one of us. He has made us all individually unique. There are things that you can do that are specific to you that isn't specific to anybody else because he knows you as you. He made you as you. He put potential in you. He knows there are embers in you and they just need his breath. Let's carry on. Verse 3, it reads, go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly and repent to me again. It's like he's saying here, come on, remember. Do you not remember what we were before? Do you not remember the message that you heard? Nothing has changed. It's not new. I'm not telling you a new thing. Do you not remember what it was like? The mission hasn't changed. The calling that I've put on your life hasn't changed. The potential in you hasn't changed. You've just forgotten it. You need to change your mind. Have a new way of thinking. Do a U-turn and repent back to me. You know, when we read uh, in the Bible about uh, repentance, a lot of the time we'll focus on the thing that we're repenting from shouldn't do that. It's not what he wants of me. I need to repent and turn away from it. But in some ways, I feel like when we read the word repentance, we should rejoice. Why? Because repentance is another way, is a second chance, is an opportunity for forgiveness. It's not game over. He's saying, I've got an alternative for you here. You can repent, you can change your mind, and you can come back to me. He's not saying I'm done with you. When repentance is there, let's rejoice in the fact that we've got a forgiving father that calls us to repent. There's hope. Repentance gives us hope. And in some ways, that's a little bit like the first letter we looked at with Ephesus. You know, return to your first love. 
Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe you felt that you've wandered a little bit and you're not back to where you used to be. You know, those first few months or years of your walk with Christ was unstoppable and you felt him and you heard him and you knew him and you had a purpose and you knew all of that so securely, but you may have wandered off that. And he's saying, come back to what you were when you first met me. Renew your mind, change your way of thinking. Jesus is declaring to the church here in Sardis to turn back to him. He wants that of us, to turn back to him. And that's not a one-time thing. That's not, I turned back to him 10 years ago and I'm living off that because that's me living off my reputation of the past of what I have done. He causes of that daily. Am I daily turning back to him? This morning he is longing for you to come back to him whether you've known him all your life or whether you've not yet to know him. He is calling you to come back to him. Remember what you've heard. Remember his promises. And finally, Jesus warns the church to be ready and he draws uh, attention to those faithful few. Now, I bet you in this church, they probably were like, oh, that's me, I'm the faithful few that he's talking about there. And the person sat next to him is like, well, actually, it's me, I'm the faithful few. And I bet everyone thought they were the faithful few. They always do. But he draws attention to them and how upright and righteous they were in their faith. It says, if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church insiders who have not sawed their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. You see, Jesus here speaks directly into their understanding when he talks about... um, coming as an unexpected thief. Now, I said earlier that Sardis was a a well-to-do city. It was a sought-after city. It was one that every emperor or king or ruler wanted to own because of its power. And it tried to, people tried to conquer Sardis time after time after time. And it only ever got conquered twice. And the, the two times it got conquered was because the guards at night were asleep and weren't awake and weren't ready. You see, he's speaking to them so they understand it. He'll come like a thief when you, when you don't expect, unexpected. Wake up. We're not called to be asleep. We're called to be awake. If you're on duty, you're awake. You know, those guards needed to be awake. They weren't ready. We need to be alert this morning. We need to be awake this morning. We need to be active this morning. You know, and every morning into every day. That is what I feel Jesus is calling us to take from this letter here. It's like, are you asleep? Are you dead? Or are you awake? We're not living in our past experiences. Yes, we want to look back and we want to rejoice in all that God has done in our lives in the past. I'm not saying ignore that. What I'm saying is don't live off that. Because if you're living off it, then you're living off your reputation and what has been when God has got so much for you at this end that we don't even know yet. 
we're not riding that wave of reputation, but we're called to be alive in Christ. In verse 5, he speaks um, to those that will be victorious, those that are clothed in white, those that names are written in the book of life. And I guess a question to ask is where would your name be written? I'm sure there are a lot of so-called Christians out there who have their name on all the rotors, who have uh, attended all the different church events, who are just real busy people in the church, who have a great reputation for serving the church, for getting involved. You know, from the outside, you must think, wow, look at them. But their name might not be written on the book of life. Because we can do all those things and we can engage and from the outside looking in, it might seem like we're great. But Jesus looks at the heart and he's asking you, are you alive in me today? Have you come back to me today? See, Sardis had lots of stuff going on. It wasn't, as I say, it wasn't a dead church. There was nothing. They had the church meetings. They had the, the evenings of prayer. They had the worship sessions. It looked fantastic. That's why people wanted to be a part of it. Yet still, he cuts in and he says, you're dead because I'm not in it. Because your heart isn't right with me. So maybe you've never made a personal decision before to follow Jesus, to accept Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never asked him into your life. And I'd love to give you the opportunity this morning if that's something that you would like to do. Or if you'd like to know more about what that means to accept him, then I'd love for you um, to ask questions. Maybe you've been riding that wave of reputation, living off something that's happened in the past. But all of that stuff has blinded you from what's in front and where actually God is trying to take you and what he's trying to say to you. Maybe you've been part of something or witnessed something that you think, yeah, it's great. And that's the, the thing that you always go back to. Yeah, but God was great. He showed up then. You know, maybe you're riding that wave. Well, maybe today is the day that our minds are changed. Maybe today is the day that our reality, what is in front of us, becomes greater than our reputation. And that is my prayer for us this morning, for you guys sat here, for us as Ivy Church, that today we change that. If there's any area of our life that we feel that actually the reputation is greater, that we change our minds and that our reality becomes greater. Invite the band up, please. A lot of times when we uh, sort of draw to the, to the close and we, we often want to seek a, a response or we want, you know, we want you guys to engage in this, I don't just want it this morning to be about me talking to you and you just listening and then walking out. I don't want to be that church that just opens the doors, sings the songs, hears the words. We all leave, we close the doors and we come back and do it all again next week because that's not alive. 
you know, I want us to engage in what we're talking about this morning. There's been something that's been said. It's not me saying it. This is God speaking through me. You know, there's something that is really pinpointed into your heart about what's been said this morning. Then don't leave this place without asking him about it, without praying about it, without sharing it with somebody else. Because as church, we're here to build each other up, to encourage each other to edify each other, to cheer each other on, to call out the positives in each other, to pray with one another. And that's what we're we're here as church. We're all together in this. It's nothing special about whoever stands at the front. There's nothing special about prayer team. Now, we don't really have prayer team today because I want us, as a response, to actually be praying with each other in our seats in the aisles. You know, because we're church, we're family, we do this together. And so as the band plays and go into another sort of time of worship, I really want you to encourage, just grab the people beside you. Before we start singing the songs, grab the people beside you. And if there's something that you feel that God's spoken to you about, maybe it is that ember. Maybe it's something that you just know God's put in you but you've not seen it come alive yet and you just want to invite him to breathe on it and you want to trust him in it pray about it maybe it's you just need to change your mind from something you've been living in the past way too long with a certain view and actually you know what you just want to say I want to look forward I want to be alive I want to be a river I want to be moving I want to impact Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart before and you might want to ask that question. And people beside you can pray with you with that. Because as church, we are church family and we all get to play a part in this. It's not I give, other people receive. It's not we're all giving and we're all receiving. So the band are just going to play. Can I encourage you just to grab the people around you, beside you, behind you. Maybe share if something, God's put something on your heart. If you've got a word, sometimes God likes to speak to us and the message actually isn't for us. Sometimes he says it's for them. Maybe if you feel that that's appropriate, then share that word with them. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.